Welcome to New Books and Poetry. I'm your host, Jen Fitzgerald. I'm really pleased to offer you a departure from our normal format to discuss a book that features a poetic form in translation. The Land Day is a folk couplet containing only 22 syllables, 9 in the first line and 13 in the second, and is passed on and revised orally by mostly illiterate women in Afghanistan and Pakistan. Our guest, Eliza Griswold, has compiled and translated a collection of these. Eliza received a Guggenheim Fellowship for her ongoing work on water and poverty in America. Her first nonfiction book, The Tenth Parallel, was awarded the Anthony J. Lucas Prize and was a New York Times bestseller. Her poetry and reportage has appeared in the New York Times Magazine, The New Yorker, The Atlantic, among many others. She's held fellowships at Harvard University and the New America Foundation. Her collection of reported and reportage and translations of Afghan folk poetry, I Am a Beggar of the World, was published in April of 2014 by Farrar, Strauss, and Giroux, with a second collection of her poems to follow. Welcome, Eliza. Thank you. Before we start talking about this interesting collection, I'd like to learn a little bit more about you. Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Philadelphia and Chicago and New Hampshire. Oh, you moved around a lot as a child? Um, I moved from Philadelphia to Chicago, and then I went to high school in New Hampshire. Okay. Do you have any siblings? Yes, I have an older sister named Hannah. Okay. Um, So who was the first writer whose work you connected to? Probably Emily Dickinson. Um, I had an Emily Dickinson poem on my wall when I was little, and I loved that poem. Mm, Me too. Um, Being that we have an abbreviated format today, I'd like to jump right into the collection. Um, could you tell us a little bit about the journey you took to collect these land days? Sure. Um, I've been working in Afghanistan for, you know, the better part of a decade uh, as a journalist. And um, through the photographer I work with quite often, a man named Seamus Murphy, uh, I became familiar with this folk form of poetry that takes on five main themes of Afghan life, war, uh, war, suffering, love, separation, homeland, or poverty, or, okay, that's it. I'm sorry. You edit this, yeah? Yes. Okay. Okay, so let's see. Um, through, through Seamus Murphy, who's been my friend for a long time and is a fantastic photographer, and he's worked in Afghanistan for about 25 years, I became familiar with a kind of folk poem called a land day. And they're two-line poems. Uh, they're incredibly powerful. And, uh, and I wanted to go to Afghanistan to collect them because they reflect... Afghan life beyond the headlines we were all so familiar with. And they reflect, most of all, dark humor and the innate rage and power of women's voices in Afghan society that we so rarely hear far away. Hmm. Um, What surprised you most about these women when you were interacting with them and collecting the land days? Well, you know... What surprised me most is that my assumptions, I mean, I've worked with Afghan women for a long time, so so it, it wasn't surprising to me the strength of their voice. Uh, but it is easy to assume walking past a woman, you know, wearing a blue burqa, you can't see her face, that she's a mute ghost and that she can't see more of the world than you can see of her. And I think I was profoundly humbled by learning that that's an error, that the women... Many Afghan women 
uh, understand the subjugation and nature of lives that they lead. Eight out of ten Afghan women live in rural places, and and those challenges are very much. They're very much aware of the challenges they live under. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, from the backstory that you offer us, we see that the literal translations of the Landes are very ambiguous. Uh, was it difficult to make the creative decisions for a translation into English? No, it wasn't too difficult. Uh, they're earthy. They're folk poems. These are uh, very much a folk form, and as such, they really, you know, they're not a high literary form. And so the most important thing was the meaning, mm-hmm. and, and the really best of them have a double meaning. And although it was time-consuming, it certainly was time-consuming working from the, a poem itself then to a transliter. So a poem uttered aloud in a refugee camp by a woman, um, and as you said in the introduction, most of whom can't read or write. So a woman would utter one of these landes. They didn't really want to share them initially because landes are part of Pashtun society that can be somewhat closed to outsiders. Mm-hmm. But once once the women grew comfortable sharing the poems, we would work from a poem uttered aloud and scribbled into my notebook by one of two translators. Uh, then through a transliteration. So what did that mean word by word? Then I would work with us with different scholars and journalists um, and just Afghans to Mm -hmm. get to restore the humor uh, to the poems themselves. But it wasn't difficult to make choices about how to how to render them, because the meanings when they were clear, they were pretty clear. Yeah, that's an amazing undertaking. Um, all of that. How long did it take to compile what you pulled from to create the collection? Uh, it took, you know, a couple of trips to Afghanistan. The one that was most con- the most concerted effort on this project was was a month that was just collecting poems, and then I'd say three or four more more months of the translation. Mm. And and through your trips over there, did you see any efforts at all to improve literacy of of the women there? Oh, sure. I mean, there are tons of ongoing efforts. Unfortunately, one of the realities of the pullout of uh, international forces is that there's a massive reduction in the funding that goes alongside. So literacy programs, all kinds of programs that improve and sustain women's lives are um, are under fire. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so the photographs in the collection, they're absolutely stunning. Now, did you collaborate with Seamus to make selections for the book, or did you each work independently? Uh, we worked We worked together. I mean, on the ground, Seamus would go do his work in a given day. He wasn't looking to illustrate the poems as much as to capture the world uh, in, that women were seeing as they spoke about the poems. So it's the world of the Landis rather than the the women themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he would go do that. But many of the poems represent, you know, 25 years of his work in the country. Wow. Yeah. The way that they've been pieced together, they seem to be in perfect conversation with the pieces. So wonderful. Um, would you mind reading just a few land days for us? Um, oh, sure. Start with the four of them located on page 125. Sure. Okay. Hang on one second. Okay. 125. When drones come. Only the Taliban sons are brave enough to answer them. May God destroy your tank and your drone, you who've destroyed my village, my home. 
The drones have come to the Afghan sky. The mouths of our rockets will sound in reply. My Navi was shot down by a drone. May God destroy your sons, America. You murdered my own. Thank you very much. Um, as you wrote, these poems are orally revised to, spit, um, to fit the speaker and the time. It seems like these pieces are offering proof that we are forever changing the landscape and oral tradition of these people. Did you get a hint at what they had sounded like before recent revisions, before American influence? Oh, sure. Here's one. <laughs> Climb to the brow of the hill in sight where my darling's caravans will tent tonight. Now, these poems are millennia old. Uh, they come out of a nomadic tradition, uh, Indo-Aryan caravans coming to the region, you know, two to 3,000 years B.C. So these are ancient, ancient poems, and they change over time, and they function a bit like rap music does, that, you know, words will be swapped out to reflect the speaker's situation, mm -hmm. but the intent of the poem really remains loyal to this older tradition. Mm -hmm. And um, it, you mentioned in the book that this is, I think, one of the only uh, Taliban-sanctioned poems or songs because the women themselves did not create them. They're just um, changing them? Yeah, no, no, no. The, the Taliban wouldn't sanction a land eye. Okay. Uh, yeah, the, no, they're, they're, they're sung, and they're set to music, and they're not about God. All of those things would make them anathema to the Taliban. Mm, okay, Absolutely. Um, to end the program today, would you please read for us the land days on page 107? Sure. Okay, 107. In battle, there should be two brothers, one to die, one to wind the shroud of the other. Be black with gunpowder or be blood red, but don't come home whole and disgrace my bed. Who will you be but a brave warrior, you who drunk the milk of a Pashtun mother? Thank you very much. Um, I know that we are pressed for time, so um, I'd like to thank our listeners out there and offer heartfelt gratitude to Eliza for her time today and for compiling and translating such a stunning collection. Thank you so much, Jen. Great. Uh, this was New Books and Poetry with Jen Fitzgerald. Till next time, support all art, but especially poetry. <laughs>